Yes, it's that time once again. It is Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, and this is episode 50. So for this 50th episode of Wrestling with Theology, I decided to go back to the way it was for a week and do part wrestling, part theology. I've had a couple of wrestling ideas come up that I've wanted to do on this podcast, but time has always gotten away from me and I wanted to keep with the pattern that I had established for which episodes happen which weeks. So fifth Wednesdays have come and gone and I've not been able to do this. So today we're going to start off with Russell Extravaganza. If you read many of my wrestling thoughts on Facebook, uh, especially through my Green Friday Wrestling Page, you know, I'm not a big fan of what the WWE has produced since roughly 2002. Part of it goes back to a conversation once held reportedly between Vince McMahon and Ted Turner. Ted Turner had just bought World Championship Wrestling from Jim Crockett Jr. And he says to Vince, I'm in the wrestling business now. And Vince says, that's good. I'm in the entertainment business. And then you go on to looking down, especially if you look at the website for wrestlingwiththeology.org, you'll see there is a day in the wrestling pages marked the day wrestling died. And that is the day when WWE bought out WCW. Granted, both of them were kind of floundering in what they had because neither one of them knew what to do with what they had. And then it just bottomed out from there. So I wanted to come through with some of the current good options for those looking for good wrestling without all the WWE hype. And right now there are roughly six major contributions being made to the wrestling scene that you may or may not know about. The first one, and really, in my opinion, the least of these, just by a very slim margin, is the National Wrestling Alliance. This is the original group that had come together with all the territories back in the day, back in the heyday of wrestling It has recently come back into the limelight as Billy Corgan, the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, bought the NWA back in 2017. And now they have started to come up with a few things, including most recently, a couple of months ago, they started weekly wrestling, studio wrestling, in Atlanta again with NWA Power. There's actually little talent there. Uh, Nick Aldis, very respectable world heavyweight champion. Tim Storm, uh, good wrestler. But after that, you're just kind of lost. But there's a lot of hype because it's time for rebuilding again. This is, after all, the fourth rebuilding of the NWA in the last 40 years. I watched the first three Power Episodes and I was just not impressed. Like any other program, I give it 
two or three or four episodes to try to bring me in to help me to understand what the what they're thinking and I just I don't get it. Still slightly up from there is the organization I like to call what are we going to call ourselves this week federation. I think right now they're still going with Impact Wrestling. It started out as NWA Music City Wrestling out of Nashville. Then it kind of grew a little bit into NWA TNA. Then they broke off of NWA, which caused one of the other rebirths of NWA. But the question is, is it still running? I mean, I can find it online, but... Uh, it's always old stuff. And the problem is, they have adequate talent. You have some good wrestlers in Impact Wrestling, but unfortunately, Jeff Jarrett inherited the booking style of his father and his grandfather. It's actually rather typical uh, as to wh- how things are going to run, how the storylines are going to go. Now, I've not watched Impact in probably five years because it just got to be too predictable. But that's another option. A third option, another one with great hype that every wrestling fan has probably tried to do before, which would be All Elite Wrestling, which is a dream all-star wrestling organization. That is what Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and the other guys who started it wanted with this. There are great stars in this lineup. But many of them are there because they left the WWE because they weren't satisfied with the way Vince was using them or not using them. And also, Chris Jericho is World Heavyweight Champion. I just... I don't see the hype around Jericho. But the one redeeming quality that All Elite Wrestling does have is the rankings done by the win-loss record in the ring. I've also implemented that in my own rebirth of Mississippi Valley Wrestling. Uh, You find that on the Wrestling with Theology webpage. It is a fantasy wrestling league I started 10 years ago and just kind of dropped over the years for different things and have picked it back up recently. Uh, The third best one as we now get into the top three of the WWE alternatives would be Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor has great talent, most of whom refuse to go to WWE They don't want to have to deal with the hype and all of the nonsense of WWE. The only issue is that if you don't have one of the channels that it's broadcast on, since it is owned by a broadcaster, you can't do it without subscribing to Ring of Honor uh, on their website. Used to, you'd have last week, the latest weekly show available free. You'd have to subscribe to get anything further back, but you could see what the last one was. Now that's been taken away. But Ring of Honor, I highly recommend. Just above that would be Innovate Wrestling. 
This was NWA Smoky Mountain until Billy Corgan axed all of the contracts with the territories in NWA. It gave itself a rebirth, Innovate Wrestling, great independent talent, draws a lot of attention to the region of Kingsport, Tennessee, where it's based out of, and has a few kind of sister organizations in that area as well, in the eastern Kentucky, West Virginia, West Western Virginia area that it helps to bring up. It has recently come back from a long hiatus on YouTube where they finally started bringing new action a couple of months ago, but now it almost looks like it's dropped off again. But we'll have to see how that goes. And if you really want good wrestling, if you really want current wrestlers in there, you're looking at Major League Wrestling. You know, Great stars from multiple backgrounds. The intro alone just kind of highlights how many different ways the wrestlers go there. And it is easily accessible to follow through YouTube. They have all of their stuff broadcast on BN Sports, but it is also right there on YouTube at the same time. So it is really easy to get to. And their booking is actually rather interesting. Whether you have the Contra storyline that's going on right now, Selena De La Renta's Lucha Group, there's lots of good things going on there. So here is you know just some of the things that are out there now that are producing new content that is worthy of looking at more than WWE. And in a few weeks, I will come back to another one of my ideas as a talk about old school wrestling, which I cover in Green Friday Wrestling with stuff from the 80s and 90s versus modern wrestling of 2019-2020. Uh, what, what are the goods and bads of each of them so that you can see why I also go back to dealing with the old stuff and loving the stuff that I grew up on. I'm going to grab a drink real quick and I'll be back in a minute with our common ground for this week on the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, now we're back with our common ground. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Part 1, Section 2, Chapter 3, Article 9 on I Believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Paragraph 4 in that article, Christ Faithful, Hierarchy, Laity, Consecrated Life. This covers paragraphs 871 through 945. Lots to be written here. I'm just going to go quickly through the in brief. It starts at paragraph 934 before I get into my lengthy uh, discussion on this topic. So the in brief from the Catechism. Among the Christian faithful by divine institution, there exist in the church sacred ministers who are also called clerics in law and other Christian faithful who are called laity. 
In both groups, there are those Christian faithful who, professing the evangelical counsels, are consecrated to God and so serve the church's saving mission. To proclaim the faith and to plant his reign, Christ sends his apostles and their successors. He gives them a share in his own mission. From him they receive the power to act in his person. The Lord made St. Peter the visible foundation of his church. He entrusted the keys of the church to him. The bishop of the Church of Rome, successor to St. Peter, is head of the College of Bishops, the vicar of Christ, and pastor of the universal church on earth. The Pope enjoys, by divine institution, supreme, full, immediate, and universal power in the care of souls. The bishops, established by the Holy Spirit, succeed the apostles. They are the visible source and foundation of unity in their own particular churches. Helped by the priest, their co-workers, and by the deacons, the bishops have the duty of authentically teaching the faith, celebrating divine worship, above all the Eucharist, and guiding their churches as true pastors. Their responsibility also includes concern for all the churches with and under the Pope. The characteristic of the lay state being a life led in the midst of the world and of secular affairs, lay people are called by God to make of their apostolate through the vigor of their Christian spirit, a leaven in the world. Lay people share in Christ's priesthood, ever more united with him, they exhibit the grace of baptism and confirmation in all dimensions of their personal, family, social, and ecclesial lives, and so fulfill the call to holiness addressed to all the baptized. By virtue of their prophetic mission, lay people are called to be witnesses to Christ in all circumstances and at the very heart of the community of mankind. By virtue of their kingly mission, lay people have the power to uproot the rule of sin within themselves and in the world by their self-denial and holiness of life. The life consecrated to God is characterized by the public profession of the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience in a stable state of life recognized by the church. Already destined for him through baptism, the person who surrenders himself to the God he loves above all else, thereby consecrates himself more intimately to God's service and to the good of the whole church. So far, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The biggest problem that all non-Catholics have with the Roman Catholic Church is their insistence on the necessity to obey the Pope in his office as the Bishop of Rome. This is not just a Lutheran issue. Every other branch of Christianity has an issue with the Pope's position being by divine institution. Even in early church history, there was a divide between East and West. The biggest divide was language. The West spoke Latin, the East spoke Greek. The next largest divide was the idea of church polity. The West demanded complete and total obedience to the Bishop of Rome as the one head over the entire church on earth. The East wanted a council of patriarchs who were the heads of the many regions and kingdoms of the world. Each patriarch would be the highest ranking bishop in their region. Items that crossed political borders or were beyond the ability of the individual patriarch would go to the council for deliberation. They would cite Jethro's advice to Moses regarding administration in Israel for their polity from Exodus 18, 13-23. The Pope would cite the same argument by pointing out that Moses was situated at the top of the pyramid above the council of the elders. 
While there are pros and cons to any form of hierarchy in the church, it is a necessity because of our sinful nature. The Reformers professed only one head to the church, Jesus Christ. Small called Articles, Part 2, Article 4. However, they would allow themselves to be under the Pope's rule if the Pope would allow their reforms in the church. They would do this for good political order. But the Pope would not and could not allow these reforms in the Roman Church. Therefore, the divide between Catholics and Lutherans widened. Jesus is the only single head the Church can have. However, individual regions and churches are allowed to establish their own church polity with either a single person or a council of pastors or bishops to lead them. The Lutheran Church has never sought to establish a singular worldwide church. Lutherans seek to establish altar and pulpit fellowship with churches around the world who confess the same beliefs. The LCMS is an altar and pulpit fellowship with at least 37 other church bodies around the world. We do not seek one head in these endeavors. We do not seek to take over smaller or younger church bodies. We seek to help build each other up through mutual consolation and conversation. As far as the laity is concerned, the Catechism of the Catholic Church quotes Pope Pius XII's discourse in 1946, found in paragraph 899. Lay believers are in the front line of church life. For them, the church is the animating principle of human society. Therefore, they in particular ought to have an ever clearer consciousness, not only of belonging to the church, but of being the church. That is to say, the community of the faithful on earth, under the leadership of the Pope, the common head, and of the bishops in communion with him. They are the church. By being the church, the lay people are to evangelize their neighbors through the ordinary circumstances of the world, as said in paragraph 905. Unfortunately, the Catechism also commends the consecrated life of monks and nuns as being above the average lay person's life especially in paragraph 916. The state of consecrated life is thus one way of experiencing a more intimate consecration, rooted in baptism and dedicated totally to God. In the consecrated life, Christ faithful, moved by the Holy Spirit, propose to follow Christ more nearly and give themselves to God who is loved above all, and pursuing the perfection of charity in the service of the kingdom, to signify and proclaim in the church the glory of the world to come. The consecrated or monastic life is not any different than the life of the average layperson. Through baptism, every Christian lives a consecrated life. Consecrated simply means set apart. Every Christian is set apart for God's purpose in his or her life. This is true whether the person is called to a theological life as a pastor or Christian teacher or a farmer or businessman or parent. God's purpose in consecration is evident in everyone. Now we've talked about the church's insistence on the hierarchy it has. So, how is the Roman Catholic Church arranged? And why do so many Lutherans think or wish their church bodies worked the same? At the very top of the Roman Catholic Church is the Pope, the Bishop of Rome. After all, that's why they're called the Roman Catholic Church. Underneath him is the College of Cardinals. This group has 224 members in it, all hand-picked by one of the popes. These serve as the pope's greatest advisors as well as electors of the next pope. Underneath the cardinals are the archbishops. 
They are the archbishops or metropolitan bishops who have been placed over the archdiocese of the church. There are 630 archbishops. Most of the cardinals in the College of Cardinals hold these positions. In the U.S. alone, there are 33 archdioceses. Minnesota and Dakotas, where I live and serve, fall into the Archdiocese of St. Paul. Within each archdiocese, there are several dioceses. The Archdiocese of St. Paul has 10 dioceses, of which all Roman Catholic congregations in these areas are members. In the Roman Catholic Church, there is a clear and mandated hierarchy to be recognized. It is very military or business-like, with a definite chain of command. If a congregation has an issue with its priest, they can go to the diocese or higher for their case to be heard. On the other hand, there is always someone where you can pass the buck for things you dislike about the church. In the LCMS, we took the opposite approach. Instead of a top-down structure, we have a bottom-up structure. The congregation has the power. The hierarchy is advisory. It may look similar to the Roman Catholic Church, but we've turned it on its head. The congregations are grouped into circuits, the circuits are grouped into districts. However, this structure doesn't have binding authority over the congregations. And that's where a lot of congregations have issues with our organizational structure. When everything is going fine, they enjoy that the circuit and districts stay out of their business. When things go badly, they want them to immediately step in and solve the problem or become the scapegoat for them. When the congregation thinks of itself as a business first, the ministry always suffers. Unfortunately, that's what has happened in many congregations and denominations that harp on their hierarchy, the Roman Catholic Church being no different, and even problems in the Missouri Synod come from that mindset as well. But Jesus tells us, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over you, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. Luke 22, 25, and 26. Can we have a structure, a hierarchy, to ensure that we continue to walk in the way Jesus has prepared for us and laid out for us in the Bible? Absolutely. But we dare not endow it with nearly omnipotent power and authority. That can only lead to disaster. And we have seen that play out over and over again in church history, where one person or one group thinks they have ultimate power and set themselves up as God over others, and it leads to disaster. So do we need a hierarchy? Do we need a pope? No, we don't. Is it a good idea because of our sinful nature? Absolutely. Just to keep us in that system of checks and balances so that it's not just one person making all the rules. Which is why the Missouri Synod, when they left Germany and came into St. Louis and the Perry County, Missouri area, they established the congregations having the power, the authority, the people having the power. Because all of us, as the Catechism of the Catholic Church will attest to as well, are part of the priesthood of all believers. All of us have been baptized into Christ priesthood of believers. And therefore we should all have 
a say into what goes on in our churches, in our confession of the faith. And that's where I'm going to leave you this week as we get done with the common ground. Next week we get into the confessional corner, back into the theology, trying to figure out exactly what makes us different, what are some of these reforms that the Pope would not allow in as we go through the latter part of the Augsburg Confession. So I encourage you to come back for that next week. Also, as I said earlier, after Christmas, I'll do another wrestle extravaganza on old school wrestling versus modern wrestling and the pros and cons between those. I encourage you to be there for that. Until then, check out wrestlingwiththeology.org, Green Friday Wrestling on Facebook. Follow and like Wrestling With Theology on Facebook as well. You'll find links to these broadcasts, but also other items that I see pertinent to you to help strengthen you as you wrestle with theology. Amen.